What up, what up, what up? It's Kilo, and we are back for another episode of the regular podcast on the regular network. It's real. All right, y'all, welcome back. We are back for this episode, and we will not take too much time from your schedule. I just need you to hear what I got to say today. Hopefully it's quick. You know, I've been saying it's going to be quick the last couple episodes, but it's been going a little bit longer than I expected. Yesterday was the major election, uh, midterm election, so I probably do have a lot to say. So brace for shock, put your, put your, get you a nice drink, you know, and get ready. So before we do anything, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Make sure you follow us everywhere. I appreciate y'all for showing love, man. We, we, we getting, you know, we getting there a little bit. You know, we getting there a little bit. I'm trying to get the 5,000 subscribers, so I need y'all to help me out. Share this, share the video, share the clips, share everything you can find with friends and family. You know, we're really trying to get the channel up, get the channel running and, and grooving to make some uh, real splashes in this whole political landscape and everything like that. Before we get into the major election, which is the governor election in Georgia. I did want to talk to y'all about the Senate, the Senate race in Georgia. You had Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker, right? And we can we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because, you know, first of all, we'll be coming back, you know, in and out of the topic. Secondly, the race is actually going into a runoff because in Georgia, a candidate is required to get over 50%. So majority or, or winning the popular vote is not enough because, you know, you have, you know, you have the major party candidates, then you have independents or write-in candidates as well, right? And so sometimes you have a situation where one candidate will have, you know, 49% of the vote, the other one might have 48% of the vote, and then some write-ins or independent might have 3%. So in, in a case like that, you, the, the, the election has to happen again. You have to do a runoff in about a month from now until one of the candidates gets over 50% of the vote. Now, in a runoff election, there's no write-in option. There's no independent option. It's only the top two candidates from the general election that will be in the runoff. And that will be Warnock versus Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker, right? Let me, uh, let me show you some numbers on them on their election again i didn't i didn't need to take too much time on that one so of course you see here and, and this is coming from nbcnews.com and they put they have some good information so i trust their word on it so as you can see it's updated you know up to the second pretty much 99 percent re reported votes in and you have Raphael warnock who have actually would have won the popular vote but he didn't go over 50%. He got one point, he got 1,944,919 votes. Herschel Walker got 1,927,419 votes. And then this Chase fella got 2%. Uh, Chase Oliver got 81,000 votes, which is, I mean, that's not bad. Right? So Herschel Walker ended up finishing with 48.7%. Raphael Warnock finished with 49.2%. And um, that is not enough to win the seat. So, excuse me. So they'll have to they'll have to run again against each other in a month, sometime in December, I think. Right? I don't have the exact date. Uh, let's. And this here is a map of you know with the with the voting numbers and percentages of every county. And in a little bit, I'll show you the difference between Warnock and Stacey Abrams. As far as the county breakdowns go, they won most of the same counties, but there's a few different differences here. Okay. So the Georgia Senate exit polls, right? So 44% of men in Georgia, the, the men in Georgia who voted for these guys voted for Warnock. 54% went for Walker. Female, Warnock got 53%. Walker got 45%. Race, you had 29% white went with, went with Warnock, and 70% white went with um, Walker. 
you got 90% black went with Warnock. Just 8% went with Walker. You can see the Latino vote here. Latino and Asian vote and other all around 50%. Well, Latino and Asian around 60% Democrat and around 40% Republican. And same with other, which is I'm, I'm assuming is the smaller groups or groups who identify as other, maybe mixed and they don't want to choose a race. Who knows? 81% uh, of non-white people in Georgia voted for Warnock, went Democrat on that. So this is the part that sex by sex by race is the part that, you know, is, is being screenshot and shared all over the internet a lot. Because uh, this is this is where people get to try to point fingers and say, um, hey, you group, you didn't do what we told you to do, or you, this group did the most, or this group did the least, or whatever. This is this is the part people like to see the most, okay? So you have white men went 71% with Walker, white women went 68% with Walker, black men went 85% with Warnock, black women went 93% with Warnock. You have Latino men, 60% Warnock, Latino women, 55%, and then all of other races, 55% as well. You know, it seems like the younger people went chose Democrat more, the older people chose Republican more. You know, education level, advanced degrees went with, it looks like as far as um, education goes, Warnock only won when it comes to advanced degrees. So, you know, masters and above, pretty much, which is he got sixty percent of those votes. It's it's all interesting, man. But again, they have to go into a runoff. So, you know, the being being that neither of them got over fifty percent, it's not over yet. It's just going to be a matter of how many people show up when it's time to do this runoff. And and a lot of people don't normally show up for runoff elections. Let me show you one more thing that I thought was interesting. Here, oh, these exit polls, I got a lot of information. Let me show you one more thing I thought was interesting, right? Early in-person voting. So they have the, the tallies on here. In-person voting, but early, 2.2 million people voted. Uh, 2.259 million people voted early in Georgia in this election here. And Raphael Warnock, he was the top candidate in the, against War, uh Walker, right? But on the election day, 1.346 million people showed up, but Walker actually won on election day. So that's why it was so close. And mail-in, 304,000. Warnock actually got more of those mail-in votes. So they show you here, 57% of votes were cast early for this Senate race. 34% were actually on election day. And 8% were by mail. And and I thought it was interesting, but I could tell that a lot of people had to have voted early because when I when I heard people talk about voting yesterday in Georgia, they weren't talking about these long lines where they had to wait 10 hours and five hours and all this type of stuff. Whereas when Biden versus Trump happened, people were waiting in line all day. It took forever to vote for a lot of people. I voted early, so I didn't have to, I wouldn't have had to stand in line anyway. But there weren't really any long lines. So I knew there had to be a shift in how people were voting in Georgia. And I was right, 50, almost 58% of people voted early. So, or not, not 58. What is this? 57 plus eight. So that's what, 65% of people in Georgia who voted, voted early. Um, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a big chunk. So now let's move on to the big, the big, the big dog race, the one that had people all over the country arguing, the one that had people all over the country pointing fingers before the election even happened. Just the, the pure foolishness that's been happening. I discussed the, the, this race on this show multiple times in the last few months because things kept happening and kept on being. And plus, I live in Georgia, so of course I need to be talking about politics. That's the lane I care most about when it comes to what's going on right now, right? Brian Kemp, the incumbent, versus Stacey Abrams for the governor of Georgia, right? You, you had, you know, 
this this outcome was fairly predictable. You know, some people were able to predict it in 2018. You know, 2018, I was more hopeful, and she was a lot closer in 2018, right? Let's let's look at the total numbers here. Brian Kemp got 2.1 million votes. Stacey Abrams got 1.8 million votes. Brian Kemp was able to win the election. He had 53.4% to Stacey Abrams' 45.8% of the vote. Now, if you guys remember, in 2018, Stacey Abrams only lost the election by 50,000 points. It was uh, 50,000 votes, right? It was very close. It was like the, the final count was somewhere around you know, 1,900,980,000 for Kemp to like 1,930,000 for Stacey Abrams. It was a very close race. It, it took them days to count and verify and confirm the vote. Stacey Abrams didn't want to go without a fight. And also she had forecasted or predicted that a lot of people that were purged from the voter rolls would impact how many people could vote for her. And the number of people who were purged from the voter registration rolls is pretty much damn near the exact number that she lost by. So she was right on. For whatever reason, this time around, she decided to change her strategy and, and, and make it. First of all, she was for the last pretty much a year, she was campaigning about immigration and uh, women's rights. Right. Which is fine. You know, you have to campaign and do whatever you need to do. Right. So she was campaigning about immigration and women's rights in Georgia. Georgia is a state that's pretty much, you know, what, 60% white, 30% black, and maybe 10% other, other stuff. So it's the vast majority white people, white Americans and black Americans, vast majority, right? So making immigration one of your top things that you've been pushing for that's on you, buddy. But that's what she chose to do. And then for whatever reason, some weird shift happened over starting in maybe like August or September where she decided to say, she decided to start to call black men out as if black men had done anything wrong to her other than support her at 85 plus percent. Or it was 88% last time. And it was damn near 100% in the primaries this year. We had done nothing but support Stacey Abrams. Right. In supporting her, we said, hey, we voted for you. So we want to ask you for the things we want. That's all black men in Georgia were doing. We were coming to the person that we were trying to elect and telling them what we wanted. People online on the Internet, mostly people who don't even live in Georgia, people online took that, took us asking for things that we want. They took that as misogyny. They took that as anti Stacey Abrams. They took that as us trying to derail her platform and derail her campaign, which is very odd because as a, gr as a group who votes, the only thing you should be doing is asking the person you vote for to do things for you. I mean, that's literally the only thing you should be doing. I don't know why this year with black men getting so vocally active are people telling us essentially shut up and vote. Just shut up and vote. Don't ask for anything. It's like you go into the store. Don't touch nothing. Don't breathe on nothing. Don't look at nothing. You can't have nothing. But do what I say, though. Just vote for it. And um, so Stacey Abrams decided that it was time to start her. Her She started to plant her seeds about black men early, like a couple months ago. Right. That backfired immediately. I did a video. I told you I got some calls about it. Other people did videos about what she said about black men. And it's not that she said anything crazy. She didn't say anything belligerent. She didn't cuss us out or anything like that. But when you insinuate that black men are or will be the reason you lose by saying, if black men vote for me, you'll win, I'll win. That's, that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers, and it did. And pretty much you didn't hear the end of it, Miss Stacey Abrams. You didn't hear the end of it. 
and you, you're still not hearing the end of it because the election is over and people are still pointing out the fact that you tried to put it on us, right? People are pointing it out still, and I don't see anybody stopping anytime soon until you call your minions off because you got a lot of people around the country that are coming at black men in Georgia, and it's, it's pretty ridiculous, right? So then towards the end of the cycle, the, elect, the, the campaign cycle, she decided like, oh, let's start doing this push towards black men now. Uh oh, they got offended. Let me do my black men's agenda. Let me start popping up with rappers. Let me go to some of these HBCUs and make some dance videos. Let me make some videos in barbershops. And all. I'm not gonna knock it. Pandering to black men and not giving us what we've been asking for. You let us know how that worked out for you, okay? It, and guess what? Let me read you the numbers before y'all start to talking crazy about, about black men. Right? Okay. Stacey Abrams got 40% of the male vote and 51% of the female vote. Right? So she actually won with women in Georgia. Now, this is one of those times where you can say black women gave her the edge on the female side. Because look how 51%, you'll see what I mean in a minute. White people only voted with Stacey Abrams at 25%. Black people, once again, above 90% support for Stacey Abrams. Above 80%. Nobody even comes within 30% of the black support for Stacey Abrams. No, not one group even comes within 30%. Okay. Let's see here. Sex and race by sex, uh, sex by race. Okay. So this is again, this is where people like to do a lot of the finger pointing at, right? So I seen there was a chaplain up at Howard University that just did a speech, I think last week or earlier this week, talking about how black men in Georgia were voting for, for Raphael Warnock, but we wouldn't vote for Stacey Abrams. As if we were okay with voting for a black man, but we weren't okay voting for a black woman. And I feel like things like that are, are why black men feel offended and are fighting back verbally against some of the stuff that's being said about us because what are y'all talking where are y'all getting this information from right let's go back to the numbers here i just told y'all for raphael warnock black men voted for warnock 85 percent and black women 93 percent okay yes there's a one percent difference in support like it's uh, virtually that's the same thing. 84 and 85% is virtually the same number. Okay. When, when you're talking about elections and we talk about hundreds of thousands of votes, 84% and 85%. Come on, man. Black women, 93%, very consistent. Good job. Again, once again, when you look at the numbers, black women are the only group that is that vote that supports Democrat more than black men. We support Democrat more than every other group by far. Again, black women at 93%, but with black men at 84, still the next closest group is 30% away from us in our support. Right? So, you know, white women voted for Stacey Abrams at only 27%. Now, I don't know if y'all remember me talking about this, what I said just based on the numbers alone, if every single black eligible male voter in Georgia voted for Stacey Abrams, that wouldn't be enough people to get Stacey Abrams a victory over Brian Kemp. She lost by 300,000 votes. Okay? She lost by 300,000 votes this time. Right? I've been telling y'all and I've been telling her if she will listen and if she did listen, I don't, she couldn't have listened to me. If you want to win this election, you should be campaigning to white women. I've been saying it. I don't know how anybody could, 
this is the thing, right? We're just talking about winning versus losing. Everybody in, the, in, in this country knows black people are going to vote Democrat no matter what. Okay? So when you talk about 80s and 90% supporting you, that's essentially you have full black support. We're not split. That's not a split vote. 84% is not, a, is not split. That's essentially full support. You almost don't even have to mention us in an election at all to get those type of numbers. Look at, look at Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris came out vocally said, I'm not going to do something just for black people. Biden told us, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You know, they put us down. And we still gave them 90% of it. Like you essentially, we talking about just winning and losing. As a Democrat, to win an election, you don't even have to mention black people. And you spent, Stacey Abrams, you spent so much time campaigning to immigrants in this, in this state. And a lot, of, a lot of the immigrants in this state, and I didn't even see you campaigning to African immigrants. I see you mostly going after Latino immigrants. There's a lot of African people here in this state also, but I didn't see any any attempt to get at them. But anyway, you you went for the Latino voter and still 44% of them went with still 44% of them went with Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp has a commercial with a shotgun in a pickup truck saying that he will go round up illegal aliens himself and arrest them. And he still got 44% of the Latino vote with, with messaging like that. Right? Yet, you spent, half the, you spent half the campaign talking about how you wanted to give free education to, to, to immigrants and their children. You wanted to give free health care to them. You wanted to give free everything to them. You spent half the campaign doing that. Yet, that only got you 55% of their vote. Yet, you want to tell everybody... If black men vote for you, you'll win when you have 84% of our vote. I don't remember the statements about Latino men. I don't remember the statements about Asian or Latino women or white women at all. And then you only got 23% of the white male vote. It's almost as if it's almost as if the campaign was set up from the beginning just to blame black people again, like Democrats like to do. Because You've been campaigning and haven't mentioned Latino people yet. You haven't had any of your minions mentioning or, or saying, hey, Latino people, y'all got to vote for me better than this. You haven't white women supposedly caring about reproductive rights and everything like that. They didn't care about that. Y'all are not calling them out at all over that. It's, it's a little bit wild to me. It's a little wild to me. Let's see what the age Again, younger people went with Stacey Abrams. Older people went with Kemp. Uh, also, again, Stacey Abrams won the advanced degree vote. She has a little, uh, uh, a few percentages less, few percentage points less than Warnock, which Warnock got 60% of the advanced degree vote. Stacey Abrams got 56%. Again, this is on NBCNews.com slash politics. You can see these numbers. You can essentially see these numbers for pretty much everybody uh all the elections that happened all over let's go down here to this uh, this interesting thing here on the er so with the early in-person vote brian kemp was the top candidate for that the election day votes brian kemp was the top candidate for that but early by mail stacy abrams was the top candidate for that but you know what's interesting here though early by mail votes there's a difference of about 60,000 for the governor race versus the Senate race. Let me, sh let me show you real quick here. Early by mail, this is the governor's side, and then here's the Senate side. So I don't, I don't know what, what that's about, why there's a difference. Because if you get a ballot in the mail and you go to, to send it back, I mean, I'm a, did, 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 did 60,000 people say, I'm just not voting for a governor at all. Like on the early met, like what is that about? I don't understand. And then when you look at the early in-person voting, there's a difference of what about 
50,000 here. So 50,000 people walked into a polling location early to early vote and did not select a senator, but they did select a governor. So I'm, I'm not sure what that's about because senator, everybody in the state can vote for a senator. They don't have Senate districts. It's just the state. So I'm not, I'm not sure what that's about. That is a weird discrepancy. discrepancy to me, I will say though, when, when people talk about why Warnock was able to get, why was Warnock able to get 1.9 votes and Stacey Abrams got, you know, the 1.8, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that Warnock did, didn't do. And, and one thing about Warnock, I thought Warnock was super like, he, he felt fake to me. He didn't feel genuine at all. But one thing he didn't do, Warnock didn't get out on his campaign trail and alienate one group. He really played it super safe. He said all the safe stuff you can say as a Democratic politician. He didn't say anything out of bounds. He really, if you asked him something that was too tough, especially about reparations, he would just ignore you. I've seen him ignore people face to face. Somebody can ask him a question directly in his face, he would just look at them and smile. Just wouldn't answer. Again, we're talking about being a good candidate for black people versus just winning, Raphael Warnock did what a person would do if they didn't care about anything but winning. Okay? He didn't win yet, but he's likely going to win. Okay? Abrams, on the other hand, seems like she didn't have a good strategy when it came to actually beating somebody in a state that's mostly Republican. Right? Warnock did. You had, you had even Republicans that didn't have a problem voting for him, right? Herschel Walker got almost 200,000 fewer Republican votes than Brian Kemp did. There's a reason for that. Because some of those people were fine. They voted for uh, Raphael Warnock. Some of those Republicans voted for Raphael Warnock. It just is what it is, you know? And let me show you, let me show you the maps and some of the differences between the counties that each of them won. Now over here, this is Stacey Abrams. This is the governor race. And on this side, this is the Senate race. Now look at the spots that are blue. Normally where you see blue, is it, most of the time, those are cities or metropolitan areas. All those red places, that's rural. But so essentially all of Metro Atlanta, they both won the same counties in Metro Atlanta. When you travel a little bit east and these counties here, they both, they all three won. They both won, right? But this county here, Jefferson County, Stacey Abrams lost that county only by 1%, but Warnock actually won that county by 2%, right? That's just something to note, right? Another difference in the counties that they won, you have this county down here in the southwest uh, corner, Clay County. Again, this is a small county, of course. Brian Kemp won by 1% in Clay County, but then Raphael Warnock won by 4%. Again, this is a tiny county, but I'm only pointing out the differences in, in these rural places. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Part of Stacey Abrams' campaign was to attack rural Georgia. She was, she was campaigning all over the rural places in the state thinking or hoping that she could flip some of those counties blue. And it's like she did the opposite. Warnock didn't campaign to them much at all. Like he only thing he did was run around with his with his with his reverend message and talk slow and try to seem relatable and try to seem like a compassionate politician or compassionate reverend term politician. And it seems like people went for it. Right? Stacey Abrams campaigning in these rural areas it didn't seem to have the impact that Warnock's campaign had. There's one more county that, that Abrams lost that Warnock won, and it's this one here, Sumter County. Um, it's, a, it's a small county, but though that, you know, 5,000 votes matters. Brian Kemp won that county by 3%, but Warnock won that county by 3% against Herschel Walker. So... You know, it's it's all 
very interesting. It's all it's all very interesting, man. I would say, Miss Abrams, if you if you are going to run again, man, you have to have better strategy. I don't know who's running your campaign. I feel like it is. You, you, I feel like you don't have a strategist on your side. I feel like you have somebody who is more concerned with more concerned with liberal liberalism if you want to call it that they they might be more concerned with potential book deals and potential documentaries and things like that they don't seem to be concerned with you winning whoever is running that campaign whoever is managing it your campaign in 2018 was a lot better it was a lot more effective that's why the vote was extremely close that's why it took them days to figure out where all the votes were at because you ran a much better campaign in 2018. I'm not sure if you switched up the, the, the manager or what. And I, you know, and I said that the beef with black men for Stacey Abrams started in a couple months ago where she decided that she would, uh, you know, come out and make that statement about black men. But I'll actually, let me, let me show y'all something, actually. Let me show you something. The beef actually started here. This is where the beef actually started. Her beef with black men actually started here in the Georgia lieutenant governor election. And as you see, there's no black men here. This is Burt Jones, a Republican versus Charlie Bailey. Now, why? How, how could how could the beef with black men have started in this election there? That's weird. But it's not weird. Let me show you something real quick. The beef with black men started in the in the Democratic primary race of Charlie Bailey versus a man named Kwanzaa Hall. Look at this here. In June 2022, Stacey Abrams endorses Charlie Bailey for lieutenant governor. Right. Who was who was Charlie Bailey running against? He was running against a black man named Kwanzaa Hall. Look, look at this here. Let me show y'all something here, right? So on, on May 24th, there was the, the Democratic primary for lieutenant governor of Georgia, right? Look how many votes he, look how many votes Kwanzaa Hall, there was a lot of people running, first of all. Kwanzaa Hall was the favorite by far, but there were so many people, the vote was split a lot of different ways, right? So Kwanzaa Hall only received 30%. And as I told y'all, in Georgia, you have to get 50% to move on. So Kwanzaa Hall received 200,000 votes in the primary, in the, in the general primary, right? And then Charlie Bailey came at number two with 119 votes at 17%, but that wasn't enough. So they had to battle it out one more time, right? The election was June 21st, but guess what Stacey Abrams did on June 2nd? So while you... while 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 this black man is campaigning against this white man for the lieutenant governor spot of Georgia, this is for the runoff. Kwanzaa Hall was already the favorite. All Stacey Abrams, she was the favorite by far for the Democratic side of the, 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 the governor race, right? Nobody even ran against Stacey Abrams. They knew they didn't have a chance. But listen, she needed to stay out of it to let this be a fair fight. But when she came on June 2nd and endorsed Kwanzaa Hall, I mean, when she endorsed Charlie Bailey over Kwanzaa Hall, that dramatically shifted the support for Charlie Bailey. And it also dramatically shifted the support for Kwanzaa Hall because now the major ticket, Stacey Abrams, the big name Stacey Abrams, is now taking this person's side. That means a lot of other people have to ride with Stacey Abrams because she's the big dog in, jo in Georgia Democratic politics. Stacey Abrams is the big dog. She's the out. I don't know if y'all know, but before Stacey Abrams was running for governor, she was already a big dog in Georgia politics. Okay. She was, she was, she was, she was, she was a big dog. Okay. So when she came out and endorsed him, this, this white man, over Kwanzaa Hall, that caused a behind the scenes beef in the Democratic Party. A lot of people didn't talk about it. I heard about it because I have an inside ear into, into that world, but that caused a beef, right? A lot of people behind the scenes in the Democratic Party were irate.
They were pissed off at Stacey Abrams. They did not like her decision to support this man over Kwanzaa Hall, who was the favorite for years. He's been the favorite, right? He's, I mean, when I say favorite, he's been the favorite to represent the Democratic side. So when she did that, that caused a split. So from then on, the Democratic Party has been behind the scenes beefing and it's really have been a Stacey Abrams and a lot of black men in the Democratic Party have been feeling like there's a problem with her. Right. So you, you have this happen. And then guess what happens in the when they actually do the runoff election? Now, Charlie Bailey flips it. He gets one hundred and forty thousand votes more than he even got in the, in the original primary. And Kwanzaa Hall only gets 83%, uh, 83,000 votes. The, the, the flip happened because Stacey Abrams endorsed this man, endorsed this white man over this black man, right? That's where the Stacey Abrams versus black men beef started in Georgia elections, in, in the Georgia politics this year. That's where it started. And a lot of people didn't realize that because that's some super, you know, you have to be in Georgia to even know who these people are, first of all. But it's interesting how they can be attacking us and telling us that we just owe Stacey Abrams our, our vote because she's black and all this type of stuff. But then she wasn't loyal to the black man that was running for lieutenant governor. She wasn't loyal to him. He didn't get her automatic endorsement because he was a black man. a he, He's not just... You know, it's not like they just found him on a block and made him go run for lieutenant governor. This dude is a politician. He's been trying to get this seat for years, right? And for her to not support him, it's for her to not support Kwanzaa Hall and then to turn around and tell black men that we have to support her, even though she's not even doing anything for us specifically. It's a little bit crazy. And I hope the people who are on the outside of Georgia and didn't understand the beef going on inside of Georgia, I hope y'all understand a little bit better now. She chose this white man, Charlie Bailey, over Kwanzaa Hall. And of course, you don't have to vote based on race at all. You don't have to. You vote however you want to vote. But if you can vote however you want to vote and you can endorse whoever you want to endorse, don't tell black men we have to vote for you because you're a black woman. Don't tell us that. Since if everybody's voting for their personal interests, then you shouldn't tell us who to vote for at all. You shouldn't, you shouldn't even be bringing black men up. Okay? I don't even know what black men you have on your staff. Maybe you have some. I don't know. Possibly got a lot. Who knows? But I know that this one, he felt left out. And guess what he went and did? Guess what, guess what Kwanzaa Hall did the week before the election? Georgia Democrat who briefly succeeded John Lewis endorses Republicans Kemp and Jones. Now Kwanzaa Hall comes back with the haymaker. Kwanzaa Hall comes back with the haymaker and the shocker. He endorses Brian Kemp just a, a week, not even a, it was that was a few days before the election was to, was to come. So that tells me that Kwanzaa Hall was extremely hurt by what Stacey Abrams had done in the primary. And he wanted to, he, he pretty much felt like he wanted to put the nail in her coffin by endorsing Brian Kemp at the last minute when he had been quiet ever since the, the, the primary election, he had been quiet. He jumped out there and caused a shockwave through the Democratic Party in Georgia. Endorsing, he, him being a person running as a top Democrat in the state former uh, representative, for him to endorse the governor on the Republican side publicly, that was major. That was major. And ultimately, Stacey Abrams lost the election. She lost the election. It's tough, man. It is tough. I, you know, you can't really blame anybody but the campaign themselves. When you have when you have the group that you come from, I'll say the black group that you come from voting with you at 90 percent, but you couldn't figure out how to get your group, which is women, to vote for you at a higher rate. You know, that's that's really on you. That's not on us. We did all we can do. Once again, I'm telling you, all stop blaming black people everywhere in Georgia where that has high black populations. Stacey Abrams won.
many times by landslides. Okay, any any of the metropolitan areas in Georgia, she won them because that's what we live at. We did what we could. Let me let me. I have just one more thing to talk about, and it's it won't take long at all. Okay, a, another bombshell in the business world happened today this morning today is wednesday um, october uh, november 9th sorry meta laying off more than eleven thousand employees read zuckerberg's letter announcing the cuts listen meta is facebook facebook inc they changed their name to meta they laid off eleven thousand employees today just today they just did it sent out an email boom those people cut if y'all don't mind because once again, I, I took way more time than I expected. Them laying off 11,000 employees is 13% of their staff. That's a massive amount of people to cut when you have 87,000 employees. He, he wrote this letter to people. Um, he decided to reduce size of the team by 13%. He, he took blame in his letter to the employees by saying, how did we get here? This is from Mark Zuckerberg's letter to his employees, right? At the start of COVID, the world rapidly moved online and the surge of e-commerce led to outsized revenue growth. Many people predicted this would be a permanent acceleration that would continue even after the pandemic ended. I did too, so I made the decision to significantly increase our investments. Unfortunately, this did not play out the way I expected. Not only has online commerce returned to prior trends, but the macroeconomic downturn, increased competition, and ads signal Loss have caused our revenue to be much lower than I'd expect. expected. I got this wrong and I take responsibility for that. In this new environment, we need to become more capital efficient. We sh we've shifted more of our resource sources into a smaller number of high priority growth areas like our AI discovery engine, our ads and business platforms, and our long-term vision for the metaverse. We've cut costs around our business including scaling back budgets, reducing perks, and shrinking our real estate footprint. We're restructuring teams to increase our efficiency, but these measures alone won't bring our expenses in line with revenue growth, so I've also made the hard decision to let people go. Let me keep reading. I'm sorry. This is, this is interesting because I never read a letter like this from a massive company. Okay, There is no good way to do a layoff but we hope to get all the relevant information to you as quickly as possible and then do whatever we can to support you through this. Everyone will get an email soon letting you know what this layoff means for you. After that, every affected employee will have the opportunity to speak with someone and get their questions answered and gain and, and join information sessions. So some of the details in the U.S. include, they made sure to point out in the U.S. because international employees, y'all got different stuff going on. Severance. We will pay 16 weeks of base pay plus two additional weeks for every year of service with no cap. PTO. We'll pay all remaining PTO time. RS, uh, RSU vesting. Um, everyone impacted will receive their November 15th vesting. I think that's stock options. Health insurance. We'll cover the cost of health care for people and their families for six months. Career services. This is pretty cool right here. We'll provide three months of career support with an external vendor, including early access to unpublished job leads. That's pretty cool. Immigration support. I know this is especially difficult if you're here on a visa. There's a notice period before termination and some visa grace periods, which means everyone will have time to make, their, uh, to make plans and work through their immigration status. We have dedicated immigration specialists to help guide you based on what you and your family need. Uh, I just, I just... I just thought that I just thought that that whole thing was interesting. And essentially what they're saying is the pandemic caused a bunch of people to get on the Internet, do a bunch of stuff they wouldn't normally do. And they for whatever reason, these people thought that that would go on just forever. I guess I don't know. It didn't go on forever. They hired a bunch of people during the pandemic. A lot of people working from home. It didn't work out. The money slowed up or people went back to living their normal lives and got off the Internet a little bit more. So now they have to fire a lot of the people that they hired during this time, right? Also, they're saying even even firing people was not enough. They said we have to cut back on perks. We have to change some of our real estate footprint. We, they they doing a lot of stuff. And they also want to reallocate funds to pretty much low-cost, 
high high output items like AI and stuff like that. So man, it's always dangerous when you work a job that can easily be because most of our jobs can be replaced with artificial intelligence. But if your job can easily be replaced with AI, you know those are the trickiest situations to be in. You know, uh, cutting back on perks is crazy. Like what? What? How do y'all y'all are cutting eleven thousand people, and then you still got to reduce the perks for people that stay? I can see, I can see people quitting. I can see people at the company quitting just because they feel uncomfortable in their own job security at that company anyway, at Meta. Of course, with that being one of the biggest tech companies in the world and biggest companies in the world, period, I'm sure their pay is amazing. I'm sure the experience is amazing. I'm sure having Meta on your resume is top tier. You probably won't get too many. There's probably only a few things that you can have on a resume that look better than than having Meta on there. It's not many, just only a few, right? Because that's just, the engineers at Facebook are, you know, like that, for real. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I see people saying that that is one of the best severance packages that they've seen, which is good. I never got a severance package. I never left a tech company, so I don't know anything about that. But people in the industry are saying that's a very good um, severance package. So I take their word for it. You know, I could do, I can, you know, 16 weeks of pay and then two weeks for every year of service. That's pretty, that is pretty good. You can people think about the people who've been there 10 years or whatever, you know, you know, you can really get paid for the rest of the year pretty much almost. So that's, that's amazing. That really is amazing. And a lot of these people are very confident that they'll be able to get another job somewhere else pretty much immediately. So that's good, man. I think the only problem is that people are missing out there. It's just like, oh, we work in tech. You know, this is part of the game. I think people are missing out on the fact that a lot of companies are, are doing big layoffs this year. I found a, I found this, you know, tech companies that have made layoffs in 2022. Let's just go down a list here, man. And this is from... This is from November 7th. This is a couple of days ago. So they don't even have the Facebook thing included yet. Because they, you know, just Twitter on November 4th, 3,700 people they let go, which was around half of their workforce. It's crazy. Open Door clipped 55, uh, 550, which was 18%. Zillow, 300 employees. SNCC, 200 employees. Loom, 23 which was 10% of their staff after letting go 34% earlier. I mean, 34 people earlier. Microsoft let go 1,000, but Microsoft has 220,000 people. So, you know, letting go 1,000 is... They also let go 1,800 back in July. Equifax let go 24 people because they were overemployed, a.k.a. these people were working multiple tech jobs and Equifax didn't want them to do that, so they fired them. Oracle let go 200 people. Intel, well, how many people? Oh, Intel didn't say, but they they didn't say they didn't fire them yet, but they are forecasting potentially thousands. Spotify 40, Peloton 500, DocuSign 650, Ericsson 400, Klarna 100, Inpixon 44, Twilio 850, Patreon 150, Snap 12 uh, 1280. 20, so that, that's 20%. Better.com, 250. Meta, 60 back in back in um, August. Apple, 100. HBO, 70. Peloton, 780. So Peloton's on multiple times. Calm, 90. Like there's a lot of people. A lot of these major companies are cutting employees, man. Look at that. Shopify, 1,000 back in July. 1,000 back in July. Microsoft, you know, I said that already. Look at that. Tesla, 290. Netflix, let go of 300 people. Klarna, again, 750. Carvana, let go of 2,500. Ouch. Cameo. Netflix, again. Robinhood, again. Better.com, again. Whoa, Better.com was going through it that in the springtime. Man, it's just, 
it's crazy out here, man. If y'all remember, I did a podcast a couple months ago and I said layoffs are coming. The economy is being held up by straws right now. These people are lying, making it seem like everything is strong. It is not strong right now. It is weak and fragile. Companies are laying people off and they've been having hiring freezes for two years and they haven't been telling people. Well, they, they've been... They've been posting job ads knowing that they're not hiring anybody. <clears throat> it's a little bit crazy what's going on in, in, in the market right now. I don't know if the government is is giving people, giving these companies word like, hey, we need you to keep on posting jobs. We need y'all to keep on, keep these employees as long as possible. I don't know if they're getting benefits, some type of government benefits for posting up jobs that are not about to hire anybody. I don't know. what if Something is going on that we don't know about, but we can kind of see the rumblings of it. It's, it's spooky out here, man. So like I told y'all before, brace for shock, save up some money, you know, just in case anything gets shaky, you want to make sure that you have, you can afford whatever's coming. These, these amount of, la- if you have all of these tech companies laying people off, then us people that work in tech shouldn't just be so cocky and confident that we can just up and and run and just go find another tech job immediately other tech companies are having a hiring freeze right it's just i'm from a steel mill city it's just like in in youngstown back in the day a long time ago decades ago they would say like they would quit jobs all the time they would just quit their job at a steel mill because they knew they could just go down the street to another steel mill and get another job the same day they could walk out of one and be hired at another one the same within minutes and and then one day in the 70s, steel mills just left or they started closing. And all these people who had been doing this, you know, so used to this cycle, they were kind of stuck. And this is that's really the beginning of when the streets started to get a little bit out of hand in Youngstown. But it's like that in tech. Don't Don't think that some of this stuff will last forever. Yes, everything is moving towards tech. So yes, employment will be secure. But secure employment will be secure. Some of these companies are growing to a billion dollar companies in two years. Like, that's not a secure company. You know, even though they have, they, they on paper have the money, those are the companies that cut jobs the most, cut jobs the fastest. When they grow that fast, they've been taking a lot of loans on, taking a lot of investors on, giving up all their equity and using all of that money that they've been getting from investors to hire a bunch of people so that they can scale. Next thing you know, they hit a road bump and now investors are asking a lot of questions about profit and everything. And now they got to cut a thousand workers that only been there six months. Right. So listen, y'all um, do whatever makes you comfortable. I'm just telling you. Things things are not what they seem. OK, I know people hit you up on LinkedIn all the time talking about these jobs. Man, listen, I would if I were you, I would stay put. That's just me. All right. I appreciate y'all. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit me on uh, Instagram at The Regular Network. Hit the website, theregularnetwork.com, man. Peace out.